Hi, and welcome to episode two of Dudes Being Dudes, the podcast, co-hosted by me, Stephen Amell, and my good buddy, Andrew Harding, a couple of curious guys asking questions. We have our first guest today. We'll get to that in a moment. Just want to thank everyone that checked out the first episode. We're working out the kinks. So if you're noticing that this is like a little bit of a soft launch, well, we need to figure everything out. Number one, I don't really have an office to record in, which is something that I'm working on because I'll be in Atlanta soon working. So, you know, people walking through the background. I got construction going on next to me. Yeah, you know, it's one of those work from home things that you just get used to. But I'm very excited for today's episode. It's Super Bowl week here in Los Angeles. But first, just want to thank everyone that's involved so far in the podcast. Uh, Studio 71, our friends there. So when you hear advertisements on this podcast, which you will relatively soon, um, that'll be because of Studio 71. So all the people that they're going to bring us, we really do appreciate. want to thank Zachel Albright and Taryn Lee, who are producing and just learning all the different elements of putting a podcast together. Um, and uh, lastly, just to start, um, our buddy Wellesley who is going to do the intro music that you hear and the outro music that leaves us. So our guest today is Will Blackman, who works with us at Knocking Point as sort of a resident sommelier and has parlayed a really interesting career in the NFL to um, basically being um, the wine guy for a lot of NFL players and professional athletes. What does that mean? Well, stick around. Listen to the podcast. Watch my face get progressively brighter as we move through this, which is really exciting. It's called the sun shifting and me having a notebook and not realizing that there was a glare off of it. Why? Because this is episode two and we're working out the fucking kinks. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, either via my YouTube channel, um, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you can. Uh, or check us out on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are available everywhere. And uh, for the next few weeks, this should be at the very, very, very least uh, a weekly thing. But uh, as we are doing more of these and I'm getting more excited and more into it, um, different ideas for guests are coming up. Are we taking suggestions for guests? No, we're not. We don't care. I mean, we care. But no, we're not taking suggestions. I know what your suggestions are. Just let me work towards your suggestions. So that's it. Mr. Will Blackman uh, of, of Green Bay Packer, New York Giant, Jacksonville Jaguar, Washington Commander, and Saskatchewan Rough Rider fame. Takes us away in our second episode. We hope you guys enjoy it. So we're coming back around here with our first guest, Drew. Do you count yourself as the first guest, or is this like was that like a, was that the pre-pod pod, and now we're here with the actual podcast? Yeah, I mean, you you teed me up as a guest, but I think I'll, I'll probably be here more often than a guest, right? So you mm-hmm. call me whatever you want, man. Fair you know, enough. 
Oh, but well, Will is our first I'll, guest, right? <laughs> Will is our first guest, and we're recording now. So I'll let you do the introduction here, Drew, because I just met Will before we before we started recording. We, you know, despite the fact that he's wearing his NP swag, I just met him for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we met physically. When this is this is a great. I'm this saying is, this is a, this, I, this is a great intro, right? Because Stephen and Will have met, but haven't met, uh, right? No, we we met. I met. We met. We met business wise. We haven't met physically. There oh, you go. Okay. Well, Stephen, meet Will Blackman. He's a friend. He is a uh, he is a resident sommelier, right? Um, and um, he is a, a a professional athlete turned uh, wine connoisseur and expert. Um, and uh, we're proud to have him on the Knocking Point team in a in a in a fractional but very important way. So okay. thanks for joining us, Will. We have a lot of questions related to sports and wine, both. Uh, Probably, probably more sports, frankly, just because we're sports guys and have a lot of questions. Yeah. By the way, Steven, I, I didn't mean to scare you, Steven, because sometimes people are like, we met. You're like, wait, when? My bad. I forgot. <laughs> I didn't mean to scare Look, you. Man, like welcome, <laughs> look, wel- welcome to my life. I've learned that the best way to deal with that is just the quick rip off of the Band-Aid, it, which is, hey, I know that we've met. I don't remember you and I don't remember your name. Please tell me now so that I can never forget. Just be straight up. Get it out the way now. Because I'll tell you, get it out the way now. Let it. If you let it go, it just gets harder and harder and harder. It goes from a drip to a stain in the ceiling to your entire fucking roof collapsing. So you better to just deal with it. Right in the beginning. Hey, where in the world are you right now? I'm in the I'm in the OC next to all the housewives. (laughs) By design, clearly. (laughs) Not kidding, dead serious, bro. I've been. Down. They asked us. They asked us a couple of times to do it. We're like, absolutely not. <laughs> Don't There's knock no the housewives, really. man. Oh, we you... made the official housewives wine. What are you? What are, you, what are we doing here, man? I'm not. I'm not knocking them at all. They're, I do not knock the hustle. I, it's just not my hustle. Good call. That's fair. N- nothing wrong with that. I will gladly enjoy some Sauvignon Blanc, real housewives. No so about you're. It. So you're. I, you know, I'm actually. I'm a. I'm a massive fan, so I I watch all these shows. I have nothing against them. I I can, I almost did the, um, I actually auditioned for the uh, real real men watches Bravo. I went out there to New York to NBC Row, and I almost did it because I'm a religious watcher. Good for you. That's great, man. I Which I used one? to be uh, <laughs> back in the day, right when you know Jen would play it. You know, it's funny how you get sucked in, right? After you watch about five episodes, you get invested in these in these in these these characters. And uh, it's entertaining, man. I, I, you know, there are more than a handful of guys whose vice is, is the housewives. Period. Right? Like Michael Rappaport talks about it. There, there are a lot of people that talk about their housewives. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a yeah. vice, but I do watch it. <laughs> Wines your you vice. Know, I've, and Scott, you yeah. know, I've never, I've never seen an episode ever, ever. And that's fair. You know, for me. So I think you want to ask me which I like the best. Well. Uh, we watch OC because it's it's right here, so we get to see all the restaurants and the stores and places we haven't been. So that's the immediate connection. I think Atlanta is funny, mm-hmm. um, or I watch Beverly Hills just to, you know, feel like a peasant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I do. It's funny. It's funny watching Beverly Hills. They just it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, now I watch them right now. What we. I think they just they got one more season for Salt Lake. So yeah, oh, we're, we're, we're Salt Lake kidding. would be a good one. Now, question for you. Watching the one in the OC, 
what's its proximity like to where you actually live? Are, are they going to a lot of the same places? Yeah, I mean, there's there's one up the street. Literally, there's one over. I mean, yeah, just I'm I'm in the I'm in the uh, the war zone, bro. So, what would you say <laughs> the representation of the neighborhood is like? Is it is it a clear and honest representation of what life in the OC is like, or is it as I think most people suspect, just not necessarily a gross misrepresentation, but not at all what actual life is like there i would say it's it's a probably good representation of of the extreme but i i'm never around it and i don't see it because i don't attract that kind of energy okay so where i am it's always quiet and chill (laughs) so that's (laughs) I'm chill. I don't leave my house, bro. I don't. I just, okay. <laughs> my neighborhood is super quiet. We have a cul-de-sac. Everyone is like, we all get along, super chill. Our kids get along, so it's really quiet. But if you probably go a little up the street, or maybe if you go to Newport, you might get. He well, gets fired up. Steve, and I watched said- him. I watched him. I watched him oh, yeah. toss a drink in someone's face when he and I met up down in Orange County. Right? And we, we, <laughs> you know what's funny? I just, we just talked about that. <laughs> Me and some friends just talked about that. I said I could never see myself like throw, throwing a drink at somebody. I can never get that mad. I can't get that mad to throw a drink at somebody or get that mad to like slam a glass down and it shatter. I I just can't. I get think that, that mad. I, I think, think that, that my move that. would be instead of throwing a drink at someone, I'm I'm more apt to take uh, like a highball drink and just place it on a nice wood table with no coaster. Steven's got he's the, you're gonna find he's got some idiosyncrasies and uh that right there, that's a big deal to him, what he just said, right? That's a that's yeah. a that's a statement move. <laughs> <laughs> and just mess up. That's the it furniture. right there. That's the point, right? It's just like it's a lasting right. stain right there that we're gonna leave. <laughs> that is yeah. so you can, funny. No, no, you I, can wipe the you can wipe I? the drink off your face, but best of luck. Fixing your recovered uh, oak table, you motherfucker! <laughs> no, it's so funny. No, no, it's funny. So I was at the barber shop, and we were talking about like I was really early. My barber was like, "Gosh, you're so early." I said, "Would you rather me be late?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, like of course." And so I said, "What do you do to clients that come in late?" You know, I said, "Do you do you push their hairline back and, and oh, mess man. them up?" Or another guy was like, "Another guy was like, I might nick them or something," you know, or Whatever it is, but one barber, the owner actually was like, you know what I do? He said, if they come in, I'd be like, yeah, just come in and I'll, I'll fit you in in between clients. So if they come in at like 12, they may not get cut till six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's actually genius because you don't want to like insult them and give them a bad haircut and that customer never comes <laughs> back. But you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll, fi- I'll fit you in whenever I can, you know, just just hang out for a bit. And then it's like the hours are passing. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you. I'll get you in hours. And he's been sitting there for like six hours. So he'll get his haircut, but he, he'll know not to come <laughs> I think that is genius. genius. So let's talk. Let's talk. Let's Vino. talk Vino let's football, talk, man. Let- that's well, it. All right, let's talk. Let's talk Vino, but let's let's figure out how you how you got to Vino. Your time in the league, you started with the Packers in two thousand and six, and you ended with the Commanders in twenty seventeen. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just want to try it out, see how it landed. 
Didn't land well. You didn't enjoy your time with the Washington. That's how it landed. You didn't enjoy your time with the Washington commies. You didn't enjoy that. Is that no good? Oh my god, that's, that's no good. That's not what they meant. Well, <laughs> uh, listen, I didn't. They did not. I looked at my. I still have some pay stubs. They do not say any of those teams. So, 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 okay. So, but favorite starting out in Green Bay. That's an incredible. I went to a game there for the first time right. this year. What an incredibly, incredibly unique place to play. If you haven't been there, you can't overstate how small it is. I know that after the game, I I was trying to explain to Drew how small Green Bay was by uh, comparing it to places like Everett, Washington, you know, where he's where he's played where he's played sports. And that's Everett Washington's approximately the same size as Green Bay. So as a young player, you, you went to BC, right? For for college ball? Yep. What was it like going to the Packers organization? Yep. Because I'm I'm always interested to hear what, what pro athletes think of of the structure of organizations and because you hear about good ones, you hear about bad ones. So what was that first experience in Green Bay like? Well, I, what's funny is my agent, my first agent is actually from Everett. Oh, wow. So there's a little connection there. Um, yeah. So I know all about Everett Washington, believe it or not. Uh, it was it was cool. So growing up, I was a big football historian. Like I, I used to watch all the old school NFL films. There's a video out there called Inside the Hidden NFL. And it was like one of the first like mic'd up full on production. You heard everything. And I just like passed out. Like that was it. And my dad had all these, like even football follies, right? NFL follies. I used to watch all this stuff and I was just diehard immersed. I can name everybody. I never missed a Super Bowl. Um, like I just freaked out because Warren Moon just followed me yesterday wow. and I almost lost my mind. Like, like I'm, I'm that, I'm that obsessed, you know? And um, so for me to go to Green Bay, mm-hmm. First of all, I went to Boston College, and we were ranked top 15, top 20 every single year, and no one really gave a shit, right? So I was like, hey, good for you guys. But the Patriots were winning, the Red Sox were winning, the Celtics were winning, and the Bruins were winning when I was in school. They all won titles when I was in school. So we were kind of like, you know, if we have nothing to do on Saturday, we'll come by and check your (laughs) game out. And so I was always envious of those schools that had that crazy, like rich college tradition, like everything mattered. Everything was about that school. So to go to Green Bay, that's exactly what I got. Uh, it was like you said, you've been to Lambeau Field. It's right in the middle of the neighborhood, 100%. literally. And it, it was just just super rad. Like you, uh, probably what, 70,000 people are in Green Bay. And therefore, game day is ghost town because everyone's at mm-hmm. the game. And every, it, it was it was just super cool. They really took care of you, man. I. I don't think I paid for dinner ever. I don't think I had like a free car. Everyone had a, scout players had Tahoe's like they gave everything away. Like it did not, it did not matter. It was like the craziest thing. If I went out and let's say I had, you know, a couple beverages, a fan would offer to drive me home. <laughs> like, Oh, crazy stuff like that. They dropped us off, parked my car. I'm like, Hey man, you know, best of luck this weekend. Oh, wow. That's, and, and so Dog that's rad. incredible. Like, that was that place How awesome. about the home field advantage in, there, right? The league, like not, between the sorry, go ahead, oh, go ahead, sorry. Drew. No, but no, but the home field advantage up guys, there, right? Like, is is the home field advantage super real there? It's got to be between the weather and the fans, and you know, just you know, watching yeah. home field advantage for weather for the weather, absolutely really? not. Home field advantage in terms of the energy, yes, not with the weather. It's almost like 
No, dude. They found out quick that we don't like that shit either, man. Like, we don't... <laughs> Dog, everyone's not from Wisconsin. Like, yeah, like we're we're more we're probably more um like used to it, but we don't like it. Like, you sure. kidding me? No way. Me, I'm I have these I don't have football hands. I have these like uh Renaissance fingers. Like I can <laughs> I can chop onions or or play the piano. Like I had <laughs> um, these aren't made for football, so instantly these are my hands are the first to go in the cold, <laughs> numb, done. You know, and it's like, well, now how fun is football now? Like that should be fun, <laughs> no doubt. You know, what I'm saying. I just so, saw when they were um, when the Packers played the Niners that Aaron Rodgers had played in like 39 games with those same conditions, and that was Jimmy right. Garoppolo's first. So I thought perhaps maybe that the weather had something to do with it, but I guess not. Nobody likes it. I don't uh, like it. Stephen doesn't like it. That's why he left Toronto. He's out. He's gone. That's it. Right? Which is why Will, what, what, what you say, live, what you say makes what yeah. you say makes a lot of sense because you you, grew, you have an affinity for the cold insofar as you grow up in cold weather climate, growing up in Toronto. But the moment that you go to California, your definition of what cold is changes. I mean, stuff that I would wear in Toronto when it got to sixty one degrees in February is very different than what I wear in Los Angeles to take my kid to school when it's 61 degrees here. It just, it, and it changes, it changes instantly. So it's not like if you spent, I mean, you went to Boston college, but it's not like if you spend four years as a Miami hurricane and then your first snap of cold in green Bay, Wisconsin in November, it's not, it's not like you toughen up. You don't at all. It's not like you toughen up. No, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. And right. I, even my whole career, I, I'm from Rhode Island. I'm from mm-hmm. Providence. Played at Boston College. Went to Wisconsin, Green Bay. Went to New York. I mean, I'm in some cold ass weather everywhere. Not to mention, when you're in Green Bay, you go to Chicago every yeah. year, which was not fun. That was that was by far like the worst. Like that almost made the entire team quit football. One of those <laughs> games. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, and I live in Cali, and I'm like, sh- no idea. Yeah, yesterday my wife and I went out to we went out to uh, breakfast, and it was like a nice 64. I had a jacket on, chilling. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, so, man. 64 in Green Bay. There's, there's there surfing. it is. Yeah, I, the Rams are going to be there again next year, and I'll go, but it, <laughs> it starts to get sketchy after October 15th because I did it this year in late November, and it was, you know, it was fine. It was great. It was freezing cold. So after the Packers, you moved on to the Giants, and we had Super Bowl week here in Los Angeles. You guys won the title in, in 2012. Uh, I remember specifically where I was for that game, but I'm curious to know some of some of your memories of Super Bowl week and the game and just what stands out almost 10 years later. What stands out in the game? Just the whole week in general. Start with the I week mean, we and then move to the game. shouldn't forget. I mean, that was the year the Pats were 18 and 0, right? Isn't that – uh-uh. No, is no, it? I was a second. I was a second. The second. Oh, okay. one. That was the second one. Got it. My bad. Interesting. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's funny. I just saw a report from Diana Rossini, and she was saying like she talked to all the Rams players and tried to keep it as normal as possible. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it was. Like the you have two weeks before the game, right? So the first week, um, you're you're still at your facility, and that's where you really get all your work in because you know once you go to the destination, it's going to be just a madhouse. Uh, fortunately for the Rams, they don't have to go anywhere, but they still have media obligations. And so the second week, you kind of just chill and 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 take your time a little bit, and you know do your media obligations, but then still understand like what the mission is, the, mm-hmm. the plan. 
Uh, fortunately for being the Giants, you know, they they were just there four four years ago. So they kind of knew what it was. And, and we had a lot of cool veterans on the team. And the same thing, I think the Rams, fortunately for them, they were just there too, not too yeah. long ago. So yeah, you just you just really try to keep it normal because everything is already heightened. Everything is already at the max in terms of like the energy and the emotion, all that stuff. So you just as much as possible just try to try to be chill. And it's and it's funny because you know, you you meet a lot of let's say athletes or celebrities or you know, musicians, actors, whatever it is, and they always Usually it's like, hey man, you're so like chill and and reserved and in person, you know. And it's like because what I do takes maximum amount of your emotion to get it done. Yeah. So yeah, and if I'm not, if it's not go time, I am. I literally almost like shut down like a like a robot. You know, I'm just super chill because everything that I do is. It takes that emotion. It's funny because now I'm hosting wine events and I have a virtual tasting mm-hmm. later today. That right there, I have to be on and, you know, everyone's counting on me to perform. And so you do want to be super chill because then once you get to the game, the game in itself is ballistic yeah. because, I mean, you're warming up and there's, I mean, it is, you can't even see the sidelines. There's so many yeah. people with media and celebrities and, and everyone. It's just, you're just surrounded. It's like a, it's like WrestleMania. Yeah, great. That's that's a great one. Having sat having sat ringside at WrestleMania with with Zacco, who's on the call as, as well. <laughs> uh, I can I can I can hook you up if you're looking for an in right there. But I mean, I remember this. I went to the Rams Patriots Super Bowl. I went to school with Kofi Kingston. Oh, we there it is. There's, I like Kofi's my guy. I love Kofi. Um, yeah, we went to Boston oh, College together. Right. I was like, who's this rip dude not playing football? <laughs> Just walking around <laughs> campus for no – like, you're ripped for no reason, bro. Like, what are you doing? So, all right. So, first of all, you couldn't even get a warm-weather city for the Super Bowl. You played that one in Indianapolis, although I hear that the infrastructure there – It was indoors, yeah, it was indoors. though. That was cool. Um, the the things that people remember from that game, uh, Drew, and, and I, a lot of people uh, flip around the two Giants-Pats Super Bowls. First of all, just so that you know context for you, Drew, you may have been at my apartment in Hollywood – it's possible. I had just booked Arrow that week and had 20 people over to watch the Super Bowl. I was definitely there. there. I was there. I was there for sure. You had a bunch of people on your couch. You had your 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 TV that you Three ended TVs. up giving me when you moved, right? You had right. you had two TVs and one of them you gave to me that was hanging in my office for a handful of years. Remember that one? Uh, yeah. I think I think brother Sal popped by if I if I remember yeah. correctly. But anyway, yeah, I was there, man. It was a I remember it, it was it was a good one. Things people remember from that game. Number one, uh, Gronk had a high ankle sprain, so he was limited in the game. Number two, Brady uh, overshot Wes Welker, I believe it was on 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 a he was open and it almost would have sealed the game. Um, Eli made West one of the. It one of the great throws of all time to Mario Manningham down the sideline. And then the Giants won the Giants had it by four points, but the ending was all messed up because the like a Giants player like accidentally fell into the end zone where they could have just run the clock out. So Brady actually had a, a Hail Mary at the end of the game. And you know, Gronk, even on a bad ankle, almost got it. So Will, I'm curious, did you get a lot of run in the game? Were you on the field for a bunch of it? Because I I don't know. Yeah, I was in a, in some substitution packages, but I was mainly the punt returner oh, wow. that game. Uh, 
they brought me in. They brought me in to be that guy. So it's funny because I think it was uh, FanDuel or somebody. They posted like name an underrated or an unknown. No, they said name a random Super Bowl hero. Um, And I quote tweeted and I said, me. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, simply, I said, because before Eli threw that pass to Manningham, I had a fair catch that punt. That's it. I said, people, I could have dropped that shit and game was all yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I listen, I fair caught that punt. And then I said, I gave Eli great field position to make that throw to Mario Manningham. I will say this, though. I, obviously, I was like joking, kidding. But that was probably the most difficult uh, punt return, like catch, like fair catch ever. I had to make the ball was in I the was air. For say, probably talk two about slow mo, man, with just the crap. <laughs> oh, the ball's in it because I I knew I knew the situation. I knew I couldn't let this ball bounce and put us in terrible field position. And I was like, just catch this ball. And I knew they were they were in the fifty yard line going in, so it wasn't going to be a returnable punt. They were going to hang it up sure. in the air in hopes that I would drop it. So he hung it up in the air, and I'm literally just looking at this ball for good. Like like I said, it felt like a week. <laughs> My heart's pounding, and I'm telling myself all the things you don't tell yourself. I'm like, you better not drop this <laughs> shit, or you're never going to go back to New York. Like, you better catch this ball. Everyone's going to hate you. They're not going to like you. <laughs> no, because all, I caught it, and I just held on to it like a newborn you, son. I'm yeah. like, oh, my all you're trying to All you're trying to do is have, in that particular instance, all you're trying to do is have 150 million people not fucking notice that you're there at all. <laughs> That's what right? Lonnie Paxton says. That's the same thing Lonnie says about being a long snapper, right? There's That's no exactly glory, right. right? And like you have to, you have to get it right every single time. People should not notice that you're there, and if they do notice you're there, you're probably gone. You got to go find so, a new job. It's because you messed up. It's because you messed, messed up. up. That's yeah. how they. Yeah. So, well, this this is a true story. I I I played high school football. I did play high school football, and I was ha- I was half That's I was halfway I was halfway decent. Um, but you know the. I was halfway decent. I was the running back on the team. And I was just going to say running back. That was my call. I was going to say running you. back. I appreciate that. And <laughs> I had to go to I had to go to our coach, our head coach quietly, because he had me back returning punts in, in some scenarios. And I said, listen, I'll go back there and return kickoffs. But there is something about the flight of the ball on a punt. I, I had to ask him to. I had to ask him to remove me from punt return because I, I found it. I found the anxiety crippling because all I could think about, like I, it was just so stuck in my head that I was going to drop the ball that I felt like it was taking away from other parts of the game. So I can only imagine it, it crushed me when we're playing high school football in Aurora, Ontario, Canada. So I can only imagine for you in the Super Bowl. My goodness, and that's so funny. Yeah, because when you um. When did you graduate high school? Like 99, 2000? Yeah. What was it? A one? 2000. Yeah, because I think that's before. Well, then again, no, because in, in the CFL, they do have a rule where they, you have to let the guy catch the that's punt. That's correct. Where in the NFL, before, they did not let you, and then they, did, they said, now you have to let him play. Fun fact, I played one game for Saskatchewan. The Rough Riders. Cool. <laughs> which one? Okay. Which, tell us that, which rough tell us that story. <laughs> You want to know I that do want story? To know that story. One game, one game in the CFL. Because I was going to ask earlier if you're a big Warren Moon guy and you want to go on a deep dive, just just Google Warren Moon or, for that matter, Doug Flutie. 
um, uh, right. or Damon Allen, these guys that just used to absolutely sling it around right the CFL. Light it up. Oh, yeah. I think Warren Moon threw for like something something crazy, like 33, 30, something miles. He was, all time, was. He was the all, I think Damon Allen passed him, but he was the all-time leading passer in the CFL to say and it, by the way the guy's in the pro football hall of fame so it's clearly you know he had a he's gonna say right. he left after just a handful of years too right yeah. and he came out of Houston and made a hall of fame career out of himself right yep after that had to have. that's why oh yeah. yeah just 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 nuts absolutely nuts um yeah so I was in between like maybe retiring maybe going to the NFL network and then I got a call Saying like, hey, you know, if you're interested in playing, Saskatchewan has like they're they're interested. And at this point, I was I was like, well, if I want to, I've been out a year, so maybe this is a good opportunity to, to get some film. Versus like working out, I'm like older now, I'm like 35, I think it is, and this is a chance to get some film. But I also have an offer from NFL Network on the table. And it's kind of like, if I leave that offer, like, will it come back? Or if I don't go to Canada. I'll never know what it's like. Like, what if I go up there and just like absolutely light it up and things go well? Who knows, you know? So I go meet, I go meet with them and, you know, he's like, yeah, like, come on, like your start. We have the, um, gosh, what's the, what's the classic game between Saskatchewan and, um, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, gosh, must be Winnipeg. It might be. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> What's so, that I don't called? know. I don't know about Western rivalries in the in the CFL. I just I just know we've got the Grey Cup and the Argos and the Hamilton Tiger Cats yeah. play on Labor Day every year. So maybe it's a Labor Day game. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the game is called. It's some kind of classic. Okay. Um, hold on. I'm gonna try to. No, find don't it. you you tell the story. I'll look it if up if I can. I'll, huh? I'll look it up. I'll look it up. You said tell yeah. the story. Yeah. So yeah. Look, uh, look it up. Oh, I forget what it's called. I don't know. Anyhow. So yeah, come here and you're, you'll play. And then I'm like, and I go there. And Saskatchewan is honestly, it's the Green Bay of the CFL. I mean, you get off the plane, it smells like manure. The it's it's city owned. They're green, sold out stadium every single week, and they, you know everything looked good. Like, hey, come on, like like come on here. You, you'll play. You'll start. And I'm really thinking about like, gosh, if I go here, am I ever gonna go back to the NFL? <laughs> you know, I was so I was so terrified to go. And plus, and the pay is not much. I mean, you're for some players, you're better off just working at Best Buy, you know, versus going up there. And and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I'll go ahead and do it. I'm gonna go tell my wife, and I'm gonna come up there, live in Saskatchewan, live in Regina, um, and and see what happens. So yeah, I, I get there. And I don't play the first game. I think it was. Yeah, I don't play the first game. And then he was like, yeah, you're going to start the next game and you're going to cover this guy man-to-man all game. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. So then that week goes. And then, boom, yeah, I play that one game. And actually, I had a pretty good game. I had like like four pass breakups, I think it was. I caused a fumble. Nice. And so I arrived on the scene. It was like, okay, we got this American lighting it up right now. Like, let's go, you know. Uh, the one thing that really stood out to me about Canada is like people were nice as hell, especially in, in Regina. Like they were just, they were just super yeah. nice. And and for me, for me to be like African American and for like all white people to hold the door for me, that was <laughs> that was not normal. 
and literally going out of the way to like do stuff for me. Well, this one guy, he um he was probably like a 65, 70 year old white man. And he was like, hey, can you can you take a picture of me next to this? There was a, apparently there's a Lamborghini in in, in um, Regina. I have no idea who it was or why. Maybe something like I was like hiding from the law. And I was like, sure, I'll take a picture of him and gave it to him. But everyone was just super nice. So that's what it stood out to me. But the the falling out, why I say only one game, the falling out was there were some egos that got involved, you know, in, in, in Canada. And it was from the American coaches. And for me, I'll, I'll if it's if you're genuine, I will run through a wall for you. If I know your best interest is for me to succeed and you're about this team, I will run through a wall. But once egos got involved, then you 100% lost me. And that's kind of that was like my thing at the end of the day. I was like, I just it's not worth it. Me being in another country away from my family, not making anything. The football is just as aggressive. If not, the hits are worse in Canada because the field's wider. So the angle, the hits are coming from different Mm -hmm. angles. Um, I mean, guys get smacked out there. And so I was like, my body hurts just as much. And so at the end of the day, I was like, man, uh, I'm just going to go back because I'm not going to come here and, and, and deal with this. I wasn't expecting any any like red carpet treatment at all, but it's kind of like I'm here helping and trying to be on the same page as you guys. And, and they're just not following no. suit. So, well, just speaking of getting we, rocked, man, we, let's let's just that's let's as just, nicely that's yeah. as nicely as I can put it. No, that's good. I mean, that's 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 Canada for you, though, man. You know, I mean, everybody there up there is. is nice. They're all kind of walking, walking cliches. But, you know, sp- you know, speaking of getting rocked, how about how about returning kicks in the NFL, man? I know you talked about it briefly. Um, I've got a buddy uh, from college who played in the NFL for about four or five years. He was a defensive end, kind of a journeyman, played for the played for the Saints, played for the Niners, played for the Bears. And he was on special teams, and he was a wedge buster. Uh, he and and Ooh. by the way, he was the man at Boise State and played defensive end. And then when he got to the league, he was on special teams. And he told me he used to almost almost vomit before games because he would be so nervous hitting the smelling salts. And by the way, this dude's like six six five, two hundred and sixty pounds, physical specimen, and he, which 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 does not matter. It doesn't right? matter. And he said it was like going in and getting in a just a high speed collision multiple times per game, Ooh. and he didn't like it. Like he went from being the man to like, I don't like this football shit, man. <laughs> right? That's his well, fault though. I mean, there's an there's an art no, there's an art to yeah, it. Now you I can guess. either be I mean, <laughs> you can either be smart, you can either be smart and learn how to break yeah. the wedge, or you can be a psychopath like Kasim Osgood. He used to jump over the wedge and get That's psycho the, the stuff helicopter. though, you're right. He man. was he was nuts. But I mean Yeah, he was nuts. No, but I learned yeah. that quick I learned that quickly when you said how how big your yeah. friend was. I learned the league, the NFL is is full of mutants, yeah. bro. And anyone can get got. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. And and there were there were some games where yeah, I'll run down on kick I'm a, I'm about to run on a kickoff and I look at this guy and I'm like, "Man, he's like he's a good 6'5", like 250, 260, all muscle. And you can see Fast. veins popping yeah. out, you know. I'm like I'm like, I wonder what it's like. I wonder if he's really like about that life. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go ahead and even though I, it'd be smart to just run around and go make the play, I'm going to go find out, you know? And then there was one guy in particular, I forget his name, he was play, we were playing Buffalo, and I just laid his ass out. And I was like, that's so, and I just started laughing. I said, that's so funny. But then you see guys who are smaller than you, who are stronger than you. You see guys who are bigger than you, who aren't as strong. Like, it's just, it's the weirdest thing. But there's an art to breaking the wedge. You never, you don't just go in there and just dive in and smash the wedge. You have to run. I mean, obviously, there's no more wedges, but you you run, and then you find 
one guy, you set him up and you get skinny. Ah, like that's how you do yeah. it. Because you if you make lead, one guy you adjust, just lead with the crown you, and just take him. Out. No, you make one guy exactly. That's the dumbest yeah. thing. You make one. You make one guy adjust, and then as soon as you see a crease, boom! You just get skinny. And you slide right through it. Guys will just dive in there, especially back then. The wedge guys were linemen. That's what he was I, a I remember DN, as we turned, I had yeah, linemen. Legit. Yeah, man, I was not. Speaking of getting rocked again, man, like who rung your bell? Like like once or more than once. Like like who was one person yeah. where you're like wow that like he's he's at he's as advertised because I have some I have some heart I have you know some what? I have football I questions have... coming up which I'm and then we'll get to wine but yeah. I want to hear this here yeah, we go I have not had my bell rung as much Good. because I tell you what the one thing my dad taught me how to do is almost like boxing you you have to know how to get yep. hit you know everyone teaches like how, how to hit people you have to know how to get hit like like they say roll the punches or understand this that and the third so that was. That was my specialties. I never took a big shot. If I did, it's because I was looking at the ball and I had nowhere to go. So this, some dude from Tennessee actually split my chin open. He broke my chin strap and Oof. everything. And I mean, I popped right back up. I was fine. But he just rocked, like split my chin open. And that was kind of like, because I used to be afraid of punt returns mm-hmm. too. You know, I was kind of like, well, you got to do it or else you're not going to have a job. You know, when I was early in my career. So that one kind of, I was already fine. I already was a pretty good returner, but that one really kind of made me fearless. It was almost like, you know, you go get sent off to some third world country and you're, you know, POW and then you come back differently. Like that's kind of what happened to me when I got hit in the face. I was like, bang. And I was like, other than that, I was like, all right, nothing. I don't care about anything anymore. So that was one of them. I think the worst one though, which is the, it's the craziest thing. I made a tackle on Larry Fitzgerald and I, I hit him perfectly. It was a perfect technique. Like there was no reason for me to get like laid out like that. But right when I hit him though, he did, he dropped his helmet and it hit me on the side and the nerve that causes a stinger. Oh. And I was immediately out. I was immediately out. This is like towards the end of my career. This is my own. This is my first like real bad concussion, like oh, the stuff man. you hear about. And I was immediately out. I remember I looked up. And I kid you not, the field was flipped. Holy cow. So the sky, I was looking at the sky and the field was down here. And I remember I just closed my eyes and kind of shook my head and, and opened back up and everything was back to normal. Um, excuse me. The field was up here. The sky was down here. That's what Jesus it was. Christ. See, I think I'm still fucked up. Excuse from me. From that <laughs> hit. From, from that hit. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That's wild. Oh, yeah. And then I go. Oh, and then I go to the I go to the sideline. You know, they do us concussion protocols, and I I totally forgot the entire game plan. And I was probably the most cerebral guy in the secondary, maybe on defense. Like, I knew everything. I forgot the whole game plan, but but I knew every single president. I could I can't do it now. No, listen. <laughs> ask Stephen hey, hey, to name then, all, all, every single president. <laughs> Canadians. I uh, he's no, not I from know, here. I he's know. good. Yeah, he's yeah. not from here. He's I can't good. do it. I can um, get close. I knew every president. I, I said the months. I said all the months backwards, probably in like a good 10 seconds, like rattled them off. I did the weirdest things, but I couldn't remember like the simple stuff, like the 
I forget what it is. Like the current things. Sure. Like I always knew where my wife was in this in the crowd. I couldn't find her. I didn't know the game plan, but I knew like the most random facts. Almost like it shifted my brain. Like I should have went and should have went on Jeopardy after I got laid out. Maybe that would have <laughs> sort, sort of like sort of like they they took all of the recent information were like the four pages of information on the top of the pile, and they just took those away, but you had access to everything else. Right. Wow. Right. So just a couple of quick out, bro. Uh, football things, and then we want to switch to we want to switch to wine, which is you know well we have John for a bunch of different reasons, but just really quickly, uh, in six years in the CFL, Warren Moon passed for twenty one thousand two hundred and twenty eight yards. That's halfway decent. That's I crazy, think. dude. Six years, Jesus Murphy. All right. Uh, so somebody asked me. Someone said too on Twitter. They said, "Who's the most underrated quarterback?" I said, "Warren Moon is." Okay. That's, That's interesting. He doesn't get it. He don't get enough. Even though like he was the man for a little bit, then like he doesn't get enough credit when people talk about quarterbacks now. Well, I mean, he's like. I, he like, I mean, he's yeah. like almost feels like a bigger before his time to Sean Watson, a little bit. Is that right? Ish. Right. No. Uh, kind. Of, I mean, kind of, sort of. But I mean, Deshaun. But Deshaun yeah. gets him, a lot I of. Like Deshaun gets gets a lot of you know gets gets a lot of love in terms of like skill set, but. Warren Moon back in the day had to go to the CFL for six years, which is insane right. when you think about it now. Um, favorite coach to play for in the pros? Um, you know what? I don't, I don't honestly I have a favorite coach because my, my thing is I played for every kind of coach my mm-hmm. whole career. I mean, my first coach, I, when I played tackle at seven years old, he used to MFS like crazy. You son of a blah, 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 blah. but I know, but but he loved us. Mm-hmm. He did. He he loved us. He took care of us and protected us and gave us everything we we needed, and it, it was great. So I mean, I had a coach in high school who was he was nuts. I had a really positive coach and another one, Pop Warner. I had a military style coach in college. I had Coughlin. I had Gus mm-hmm. Bradley. So I had all all different styles, and like I said earlier. At the end of the day, if your mission is to have your is to have you know the player's best interest in mind, yeah. that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So we can adjust yourself. It's almost like like parenting, right? Like I can I'm a, I'm the most assertive one to to mm-hmm. the kids, but they're not like oh you know daddy's mean or daddy doesn't like us. You know they know I love them. They come to me for everything. You know they we have. Both of our kids and I have insane relationships. They call me all the time, even from away doing stuff. But, but they know like where you've it's got roles. From. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's not a absolutely. Yeah, it's not. It's not a dictatorship. So when coaches start doing when coaches start doing that ego stuff, that's where you yeah, lost. Yeah. But but tough love. I, I like right. You know, I mean, fantastic coaches shape you hundred percent as a person too. Right. I mean, I didn't play nearly as long as you. I just played through college but baseball. Yeah. But like coaches. I think of a couple of my coaches as guys that that, that I admire forever, right? As like mentors beyond beyond sports. You revere right? them, um, yeah, right, absolutely, ah. yeah. So, like, I thought I thought Coughlin was interesting. Like, he was cool because he had a he he was how he was, and he stuck to it. So he always gets like this whole thing of like, man, like everyone didn't like playing for him. He was really serious, but it was his it was his wife Judy who was like. You need to let them see how you are with your grandkids. You need to let oh. them see how you are at home. And he once he made that flip, 
to like, all right, let me at least show these guys I'm I'm human in some way. That's where it worked out for them. Like the, I think that Super Bowl run, the first one in 2007, when they came to out here to the West Coast, you know, he he got an in and out truck for the boys. Hmm, you know, like just something silly like that. You know, the the year I got there, he would, you know, he let us bring our kids into the training room. He would come by and he would always play with play with our son, um, and just was was himself. It wasn't like, hey, I'm the coach. I'm not going to show you anything about me. So that helped him. Coach Coach Gus Bradley was cool because he was all about having a genuine appreciation for mm-hmm. people. He's probably one of the rare coaches where he has he has no agenda. He has no ego. He really, really, really wants guys to do well. He really wants guys to succeed. Um, he t- always tells me the story of you know when Seattle drafted Cam Chancellor he was big on like trying to like like Cam like you you're born to be like this type of leader kept challenging him Cam did not want to do that I think at the time like lawyer Malloy was on his way out mm-hmm. and he did not want to do that and then eventually he just ended up embracing that role and and, and Gus was great you know Dan Quinn's like that uh there's there's, there's so many guys that again it, just it's that genuine part it's the it's the no ego I think I just think in general those are the best. Well, it coaches. sounds simple, but it sounds like it's also not not uh, not a given. Um, who was your favorite? It's like anything, right? No, it's it so sounds funny simple. you mentioned the egos. It's like, it's right? like, like I had that in my past too at a point in time, right? It's like you know why is this why is this why is this person in it? Is is it in it for the love and the growth of right. the kids, mm-hmm. or is it for something else, right? Um, Right, but that's how that's how you have a good company. That's how you make a good that's film. Right. Like everyone's on the same page, yep. and we're all trying to make each other yep. look good. At the end of the day, that's like that's what it matters, you know. Yep. Because if we all, I always say, if we all do well, we all get paid. At the end of the day. <laughs> that's it, right? That's a good that, point. That's, that's it. it. That's a good point. <laughs> you, you, best of luck paying for a meal in, in in New York City when you're a world champion. Who was your favorite player growing up? Did you have a guy? <laughs> Yeah, I was I was a huge uh, Barry Sanders guy. Um, I, I was I just love everything that he did. I would try to emulate everything he did, and then probably when I got around like ten years old, um, I started liking. No, excuse me. I like Barry Sanders earlier, and then I like Deion Sanders. I like Eddie George too. I had like a Eddie George random thing with Eddie George. So yeah, but Barry was that was my guy. Hands down. Um who's the toughest then, uh, bit of Charles who's Wilson. the toughest guy that you either had to to cover or or just game plan for ever your time in the league? The toughest guy to game plan for was probably probably Aaron Rodgers. I think he was super tough because he just he could put the football anywhere right. he wants. Yeah. Honestly. He can put the football anywhere he, he wants to, uh, it to be. I think individually, one of the toughest players, um, I would say like OBJ was was tough because he just, he does everything yeah. well. That's why I was big. I was a huge advocate on telling people like, this guy is unbelievable. And the reason why he gets so much criticism is because he's, and I, I'll, I'll say this forever and I'll back it up. I still think he's our the NFL's biggest star. Like globally, I think he's the biggest star from a, I think just star power celebrity brand. type. Like of yeah, I mean, like just going his, over his personal he, brand. He, it's big, yeah. right? So you're you're looking for most recognizable yeah. face internationally in the NFL. I think I mean maybe maybe 
Brady, but kids don't give a shit about Brady. I mean, like kids love OBJ. Kids, kids really don't. No, they love OBJ. They they respect him because he's like he's the legend. He's the goat. But like everyone, even all his receivers in the league now doing all these like styles and their hair and dances and all that stuff. Jewelry. It's it's all mm-hmm. OBJ, you know. And I think because what happened in New York and that happened in Cleveland, and because he hasn't been productive and he got hurt, so everyone was like, "Oh, he's not the same player." I'm like, "Trust me, this dude's the same player." I've watched him in. I've like watched him in real because for him, it was I've six- watched him in person a couple of times now, and it's it's really striking. He's a lot. He's a lot bigger. And stronger in person than he gets credit for. I mean, to say nothing of the fact that it just looks like yeah. his hands are bigger than everyone else's when you're watching the game. No, he has a 4X glove. Is that true? He has a 4X glove. That's what people don't know. So when you caught that football with two yeah. fingers, that's like a whole hand for most people. <laughs> you know, um, Josh Josh Gordon was probably the toughest cover for me oh, wow. when he was in Cleveland, which is why... I mean, if you like what he did in Cleveland and how such a specimen he is, it's like that's that's why he's getting like 800 chances, man. Mm-hmm. This dude, it's there's no one like him physically. I mean, you could say probably DK Metcalf now and maybe AJ Brown, but I mean, this dude, he's like if you take Ben Wallace and Usain Bolt and you just go like this, it's like you get Josh Gordon. I. Are you he talking Ben Wallace, like the he, like he, like of the Detroit Pistons? Like, is it of the Detroit yeah. Pistons? Wow. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> you guys, so, force. I remember uh, him. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, who's the best teammate that you ever played with? And then we'll switch over to wine. The best teammate. Man, I had so many. I mean, I would say probably Charles Woodson was the best teammate mm. um, because he he came when he came over from Oakland. I mean, he was over there, and you know, it was a different, different over there. It was so much drama. You know, they don't bring him back because they think he's done. Yeah. Uh, when he was a free agent, only I think only two teams wanted Charles Woodson when he was a free agent, and Green Bay was one of the teams he didn't want to go to Green Bay. So when he came over, there was a lot of, it was a lot of him like just I'm gonna just take care of me, and that's it. And then he he had a switch sometime his end of end of his first year second year where he was just like man i got a lot of guys around me i want to like let me try to like lead and help them in any way and so charles he um he taught me how to watch film he pretty much taught me how to save money he taught me all these things and it was cool because somebody of his stature of who he was already a pro bowler first round pick Heisman all that stuff national champion uh, just came over to Green Bay the same year I got drafted just signed for like 55 million dollars like just he had all these things to you know be you know not saying he's right but he could he could look above Mm -hmm. everyone you know and I just remember remember going in the parking lot i'm like oh like i won i wasn't a big car guy but i was so curious to what he was driving and i remember he got into like a dude he, no, listen, he, he got into like a 03 chevy blazer i was like what there the it fuck? is like, i was like oh you know what i was like he saved his money he saved his money yeah he used to he used to cut his own hair before the games like he didn't go to a wow. barber wow oh it was the craziest thing and and i remember i remember he was playing there were a lot of games where he was not practicing. A lot of weeks he was not mm-hmm. practicing. And then he would go into the games and still get like two interceptions. And everyone was like, yo, wh- how the hell is this guy doing this? And I'm coming out of games like my uniform is like filthy because I'm like diving. <laughs> I'm doing everything in my power to make a play. 
And a cardinal rule is like as a defensive back, you do not get dirty. <laughs> by by all means, you do not get dirty. You stay on your feet and you stay clean, you look good. And I was a mess. And so I was like, man, maybe I was like, maybe I should like try to figure out how to watch this film thing. Because that's the difference in football. Is like in the, when you get to the NFL, like everyone, everyone's gifted. Everyone's a mutant in some way. But what separates everybody is the, is the mental part, is 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 knowledge. So I came back to the facility one night to watch film, and I remember the fluorescent light was on, as if somebody left on the projector. And so I go into the um, I go into the film room and I look and I see Charles is in there. It's like eight thirty at night, and he's and he's watching film. Wow. And I was like, ah, this is what the hell this dude has been doing. Like not practicing as much, but he's watching tape. And he said, he said, yo, what's up, young buck? He said, come in here. I'll show you some stuff. And so he was just showing me like different things that he does, formations, alignment, um, different techniques, tendencies for quarterbacks and coaches. Like he just gave me so many things. And then I remember I turned on the light and we had like a, you know, we had like a 360 grease board and it looked like. A chemistry lab, <laughs> right? Like a beautiful like mind. All the stuff he's written. Oh, <laughs> you know. Oh, all the stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All the stuff he's written on the board. He it, he made a game plan within the game plan, and I was like, damn, like that's what it is, and that's for me. That's what that's what really changed my career because I dealt with so many injuries mm-hmm. and surgeries that having knowledge of like where to be, what to play, what's going to happen before it happens. That right there. So he's he's been the best teammate because he had he had every reason to not say shit to any of us. And he went out of his way. He was like, "Look, I'm not gonna like go above and beyond to help you guys, but if you want anything from me, I'll give you." Well, all because what? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what the ultimate asset is that you guys win games on Sunday. Like that's it, right? And that makes right. everyone better. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, and plus, he said, "I'll I'll help you, um, but I'm gonna be on my stuff because I know one of these days they're gonna try to have one of you guys replace me." So <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's like, a good right. point. You know? Yeah, he's. Like, I'll give you. I'll give you the game, but he but he said I know I'm not I'm he said I'm not worried about helping you guys because I'm gonna be on my stuff mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So again, that's the no ego. So at part. what point were you in uh in in the recovery room from one of these aforementioned surgeries and you just said to yourself, fuck it, it's time to move on to wine. <laughs> move on as in like have a glass or no, business. Like business. Uh, and a glass. I mean, probably. The, oh <laughs> no! I mean, there was probably a love for wine, right? And and that was no, born during during, oh, during yeah. football. So I, I yeah. always enjoy- that's called a yeah. hey. That's called no, a segue, is, guys. A perfect- it's called a segue. Right yeah, you there. nailed no, it. You nailed no, it. Yeah. This, <laughs> no, no, no. Th- this is the this is the segue. I gave you a okay. segue because the segue is is Charles used to take us on road trips on uh, away games. He would take us out to dinner. Okay. He would take us out to dinner. And he would always like order super cool wine. And at this point, Charles already had his own wine called 24 mm-hmm. Wines and Charles Woodson Wines. So this was like he started, I think, in like 05 is when he started making wine. So he's like one of the original guys, you know, in terms of like current yep. athletes. And so he um, he always takes us out to dinner. And I didn't know what they were, but we just always go out and enjoy these things. And so I just took a keen interest to get to know more about this stuff. Um, I used to get invited to all these corporate events in Milwaukee, and I got to know people there. And same thing, all these wines and stuff people would pour around and, you know, swirl on my face and all that dumb shit, you know. <laughs> and it, But I just – I thought it was cool. And I just started – I tried to research on my own and, and learn more, and I really became fascinated with, like, the history 
and the terroir and the dirt and all that stuff. For me, it was never really about labels and, and the luxury life. It was also it was more so about the history, which is funny because it ties back into how I fell in love with football. It was about the history and, and all that stuff. So my same passion for football it happened with wine too. And so yeah, and and so once I started learning all this stuff, man, I um like I said, I just kept trying to find more books and trying to find more things online. And I tell I told the story on so, so many different things. I went out to this uh I went to dinner with one of these real estate moguls and he uh I mean he ordered some burgundy and he was like, Oh man, like burgundy's the best shit, man. Like this is the greatest grape, da 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 and I was like, Okay, like cool, you know, and, and I saw how much it was and I was like, Oh, that's you know, I thought it was I thought it was straight, you know, I wasn't my palate wasn't that developed at the time, but I you know, I like a good old like Menage Trois or Simple. You know, some Casal Garcia, yeah. some Vino Verde, you yeah. know, this uh, fruity reds and sweet whites. I was kind of, I feel like that's how most people yeah. start. And um, so for me, I was a big lone diner. Like I, w- I would go to a restaurant on my own and I just want the experience. You know, I didn't need a date. I didn't need anything. I just want to go and eat and chill. And so I went to this one restaurant in Wisconsin and I was like, okay, I'm going to find this Burgundy. This whole time I'm thinking Burgundy is a brand i had no idea it was okay. a region yeah it's, it's a region so <laughs> no right yeah so i go i no it's no so it's crazy so i go get the book i asked for the wine list and i was like okay i'm gonna find this damn burgundy and i opened burgundy i was like damn dude this they make a lot of fucking wine it's a big ass must be a burgundy. big winery <laughs> that's what i'm saying it was like all this stuff and so i just picked i picked one and uh the sommelier brings the wine I got a glass here, and he's like, I look at it. I'm like, dude, I said, this is not Burgundy. He was like, yes, it is. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> he's like, Mr. Black, because all the restaurants had the rosters under their desk. So he was like, he was like, Mr. Blackman. He was like, it's Burgundy. I was like, dude, I said, it's white. <laughs> and he's like, all right. All right, Mr. Blackman. He's like, let me help you out here. And so that's when he was like, you know, Burgundy, Pinot Noir, or Chardonnay, like start scooping me up. Burgundy's a region. They don't put the varietal on the label. And I, instead of me like feeling feeling like lesser, less than, I was intrigued. Like, damn, that's pretty cool. So I wanted to know more. And then that's kind of what put the catalyst in me to keep you know, going to wine shops, trying more grapes, going to tastings, all these things. And uh, I eventually saw Psalm, like most people, you know, that documentary, mm. uh, my buddy Jason Wise directed. And I was like, yo, where did he do that at? And one of the master Somalis on the show is on the movie is uh, Peter Neptune. And he has a school right by my house. So Im- immediately after one of my seasons, I went over, I went over straight there and I went to... Uh, one of the schools uh, and took WSCT level two mm-hmm. and that passing that with merit. So that was pretty rad. What's Speaking the, of Psalm. So yes, please. So back in 90, hold on, give me, hold on guys. In, give me yeah, one yeah, second. Yeah. Give me one second. My wife just walked in. She's going to leave. Can you give me like yeah, one yeah. second? Hold on. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, Sorry, it's all on. good. <laughs> what a good dude. We're going to leave this in. We're going to leave us in talking about him yeah yeah just yeah hey you know zacco can run some music here like some like some like, like a little tv timeout music no, he's <laughs> i just i just like the fact that he's got the swag on that's interesting that's an interesting story about about charles woodson he was on the plane from uh i, I flew from detroit to green bay for the game and he had just uh, he had just waved the flag for the michigan ohio state game then he was going down there with oh Fox, nice so 
Yeah, seemed like a good dude. Well put together. Now, Will, what I was saying, uh, man, no, it's all good. What I was saying, you mentioned Psalm. I, I think maybe I told you before, but <laughs> randomly, Brian, who was one of the other main Psalms on there, was my roommate. McClinton, yeah, he right? was my yeah. roommate in college for a year. We played we played baseball together for no a year. way. That's right, because he was a baseball. He dude. lived. I had no idea he was in wine, none whatsoever. He didn't know I was in wine at all. Fifteen years go by. I turn on Psalm. Fourteen <laughs> years, whatever it would have been. And he pops in there. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> yeah, he was a wizard because yeah. he. I think he passes advance on the first. Yeah, I think he was, was one of those wizard. guys that just went through. Uh, he's he's a he's a smart guy though for sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, yeah so, so so what? No, right? so I was going to say so so uh, finish your story about the certification. You got the certification, and then what? You know? Yeah. So I yeah. took W. I took WSET level two, and. Right then and there, what happened was it it made uh, I became non-subjective. So it was like, explain what that means. It wasn't really about like what I. It wasn't really about like what I liked. Mm-hmm. It was just I, I like understood the wine better. So whether I liked it or not, I got to like understand the wine better, in a sense. So, um. I got to appreciate wine just based on like what, like how it was made or what it was. It wasn't like, oh, I don't like white wine, so I don't like red wines. Is I drank everything with just like an understanding of, of what, like it, what is it is and where it came from it's, and the story behind it. That's what amazes yeah, me. And so about that became super. People like you who can take a glass of wine and, and smell it and taste it, and they'll and they'll know Washington State. They'll know California. They'll know Burgundy. They'll know uh, you know Provence, now. right? Like he's just like, how in the hell do you? <laughs> no that's that's still no that's still really tough yeah is Um, it is it for you yeah you oh it's insanely tough yeah um which it which it's it's the wildest things for me like the hardest ones are like high acidic white wines like like a gruner or riesling or um pinot grigio Mm -hmm. like like those are hard because they're all kind of like similar in a sense you know all all that stuff because they're high the the city so there's like little things you want to look for little notes so when i went into court of masters level one i took that one as well um it was so funny because they're just like hey when it's really a when you blind taste is it's all it is is a process of elimination it's, it's never like you wake up and you just have this gift. You're like, you're taught and you learn and then you know like what to look for in terms of like the structure, right? So for example, if I get like a white wine and it's, you know, it's probably like like lemon or straw and I'm like, obviously, okay, certain wines like that. If it's not gold, I'm not really thinking Chardonnay with a lot of oak. And then I start like, I taste it, get high acidity. I get like guava. I smell it. I get like green peppers or like bell pepper, mm-hmm. yep. right? So there's only probably one or two wines, white wines, that smell like bell pepper and grapefruit. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I cancel, I cancel out Chardonnay. I cancel out Pinot Grigio. I cancel out Albarino. I can't because those don't smell like that. So now I'm, I know I'm like, okay, Sauvignon Blanc. That's that's the main one that has those notes. Now I keep going looking for other things to see, like okay, is it Sancerre? You know, is it is it New Zealand? Is it you know, you know, where, like where am I going now? Is it California? It's mm-hmm. it's ostensibly it, so it's just it's a, a process. Of, of it's a process of elimination, but you can only continue that process the the more you've got to accrue the knowledge in the first place. You've got to know what it's not before you can know what it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You got to know, like, hey, if it's a if it's a wine in a cooler climate, it's going to have higher acidity, mm-hmm. right? Where if it's a wine in a warmer climate, it might have higher alcohol and lower acidity. Like, 
it's all those things. So, like that. so it was funny because I remember. So when I took quarter masters one, they he goes down our some our master sound went down the list, and each person had to like blind taste a wine, or you can blind taste with the group of people. And so we're going down the list, going down the list, and they get to me, and he's like, "You want to go on? You want to go at it the whole thing on your own?" And it was me and like probably sixty people in the class. I'm like. All right, you know, I have I have no shame. Like I don't really care. I'll do it. And so he was big on because a lot of people were tasting wines. They were like, "Oh, I think it's this." I think he goes, "Do you think or do you know?" Like he was on their ass. <laughs> He's like, "Do you think it is?" Like you gotta just go. You just gotta go and call it. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. Just go for it. So I like. 10, 20 people already went before me, so I knew like I need to go and just go after this thing. So I went and I was like, I looked at it. I think I said like purple, boom, boom, boom. I was naming all these things, blackberry, proper. And I was like, okay. He goes, you know, my initial conclusion, I'm going to say this is Shiraz. This is Barossa Valley. And I'm going to say, I said 2009. And then he was like, you see people? That's how it was done. And you got it? That he just you got went, everything. He, he said he just went through. He said he just went through the yeah. list. I didn't think I got it, but he was like he just went through the list, and he goes up and he's like Shiraz Barossa Valley, but it was 2008. I said nine. Oof. He says 2008, and everybody gasped. <laughs> I was like, "That's crazy!" I was like, man. "Oh shoot!" Go th- like that's go how your you progressions. Do it. That's that's incredible. There it is. You go through. I probably had yeah. one. I probably had one Shiraz from Barossa Valley my entire life, but I just like let me just trust my gut and go with the stuff that I had. So before. with this with so. this refined palette that that you have now that you're continuing to work on, <laughs> well, I mean, relative palette. relative no, to no, me. It's- <laughs> you know, but I, I've always heard this that when you go out to a nice restaurant now, that that what people that that know more about wine tend to look for is not the super rare thing or the super expensive wine, but rather the value that you're going to get on the menu where you wouldn't on the wine list that you wouldn't otherwise get. Like you identify something that should be X number of dollars, but is not as expensive or something like that. Like that's where people tend to gravitate. Yeah. There's, um, there's many ways to go about it. For example, I took, um, took my wife, for her birthday to Polo Lounge in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And we, we went down there. And I mean, this there was a, his Somali, his name is Darnell. And I swear to God, he was the smoothest motherfucker I ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And and I was already like pretty I was, you know, deep into wine then. And I literally was like, just do your job, bro. I'm I'm gonna sit here <laughs> and just watch. And literally, he's like, What are you gonna have? And he I told him we we're gonna have, and he showed me the list. Tried different things. He ordered the wine. He thought this would be perfect with it. Boom, boom, boom. And I just let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. And that that I tell everyone, especially I know a lot of guys, like they want to they want to know what they're talking about before they go. They want to look at the wine list before they go, and you know, make sure so they look and they can impress them and know what's going on. I say, if you go to a restaurant that has a sommelier, yeah. you let that person do their Couldn't job. Couldn't agree more. That's why they ha- that's why they have all those damn flashcards. That's why they've been up all night ruining yep. their relationships because they've been studying so much. You let them do their yep. job, and then if they bring you something you don't like, it's okay. You don't like it. You don't got to force yourself to drink it because you know they think it goes great. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my thing with with that. But yeah, to answer your your, your main question is right. I try to look things of value. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to look for things that I haven't had. You know, if I 
if I know in France, like let's say Chateau Lafitte is right here and there's a vineyard next door that's not Lafitte, but it's in it's literally right next door and it's way less, like I want to check for it sure. out. Or I'll I'll look for regions that are that are weird, you know. Um Wisconsin. Yeah. So I, I do look for that stuff. Wisconsin. Uh, so what's your favorite Texas. go-to wine then, man? On like a on like a Thursday night, Friday night wine down, right? What's your is it is it you know Pinot Noir? Is it a big bold cab? What's your what's your go-to? Man, it it depends. Yeah. It depends. Yeah. Like if if I want to just chill, I'll I'll go with I'll go with uh, maybe like a a Bordeaux blend, not from Bordeaux, but a Bordeaux yep. blend, meaning like, you know, calves or we got some of those um, uh, Merlot. We have we a have handful of those. those. Um, or if I'm just straight thirsty, I'll just, I'll get a white wine, yep. you know, don't matter what Nothing it is. Nothing wrong with that. I like, I'm a Chablis guy. Chablis. I like oh, Chablis. Damn. Hey guys, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yeah. un oak shark yeah. guy. I know that. So I, know I feel the terrible doing to... this, but I have to hop because we are, we are literally closing on our house. See this, this, this empty room that I'm in right now. Will this is, this is the new house that we've been waiting for for two months and we're literally closing today. Uh, and I got to go talk to the, 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 these people in science of paperwork act like right now. So I'm, I, I'm getting text, man. So I got to go handle some family business. But this, I mean, this you has been great. Listen, you guys stay. You guys stay. Listen, talk you could have, huh. Drew, you could have done this a lot smoother. You just could have gone away. No one would have been the wiser. But now Zacho has to I want to say bye. Like I you was got just... up and closed the door. You got up and closed the door. <laughs> I had to close the door earlier. Go ahead, man. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> All right, fellas. Up. Nice to see you, Will. I thought you were going to go talk use the bathroom. No, like, yeah, no. I would have just taken you with me, man. What are you talking about? All right. There it is. Super. See I drew. Hey, so well, so we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap up here. But I'm curious, what do you got going on on um, what do you have going on for Super Bowl week? Yeah, so actually today is like the start yeah. for me. I'm um, I have a so I'm on the board at, at Inventory, which is a, a wine seller mm-hmm. app based out of Canada. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so that we should definitely talk about that. You would think it's pretty cool. Um, and they're they're an incredible company. So I have a wine tasting with them with Sydney Rice, former uh, Seahawk and Vikings player. So that'd be super dope. And then tonight, uh, Warwick Dunn, he has an event actually right by my house. Oh, which is those are the best events. They're like, hey, you know, we're gonna have an event here. How far are you? I'm like, I'm five minutes literally. Perfect. Like I might I might jog there. Perfect. And then yeah, tomorrow night we have probably the the yeah the first. A wine MVP event mm-hmm. of the year. It's at the Lermitage in Beverly Hills, which is you know a super rad hotel. That's going to be super cool. Sounds nice. Thursday night is a culinary kickoff, and I have my own sponsored room called the Hall of Legends. So it's a bunch of athletes who are in the wine space. They got their wine's going to be in there. That's at the Porsche Center. Uh, Friday, there's a couple events. Don't know what I'm going to do. And then Saturday, I'm hosting a private dinner at a villa in LA. So a buddy of mine's paying me to come there and, and set up a whole five course meal and cigars wine whiskey sounds nice live it up so i got a pack week can you enjoy what about you uh i'm actually i'm training right now for the second season of my show so i'm working out at uh at jake late is that why you got a jug of yeah, water that's it that's that's a hundred that's it <laughs> right? people, for people who don't know you got the jug of water here you got the the, the meathead yeah, jug and it tells you Just like the- wait i'm way behind it tells you where you should be i gotta be all done this by by five PM because then I, I don't stop pissing until like you're, nine. You're not as hungry. Well, that too. Oh, that's true. What are you eating like? What is your What are you eating? Well, like? I, I, 
Like, talk. tell me your workout. I'm so curious. Tell me about okay. your workout. So I'll t- take you through this week. Get up in the morning. I do morning time with my kiddo. Uh, that's that's my that's Got my to. time. So I make her breakfast and her lunch, take her to school, and then I go do my workout, which is at Jay Glazer's gym, Unbreakable uh, in LA, which is like right. it's uh, Monday's legs, Tuesday you push, Wednesday you pull. Um, so we were – Pushing today, it's a lot of chest, shoulders, stuff like that. And then at the end of the workout, so an hour in, then you do about 30 minutes of boxing and grappling and kicking and <clears throat> whatever the instructor. Boxing is my go to. Uh, yeah, whole mixed martial so arts great. stuff. Yeah, which is so it's because it's, it's, it's a mixed martial yeah. arts gym. Um, and then I'm just trying to eat. I'm just trying to eat well, more or less, because I'm gonna have to get into a. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get into a wrestling ring, uh, probably starting next week, and just start hitting the ropes and taking flat back bumps, and because it's like anything. Have you ever been in a wrestling ring? Yeah, on the canvas. I've been on yeah. one. Yeah. So I mean, I've never been slammed. Well, on I mean, one. that's the thing that the first thing that you do as a wrestler, and it's 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 really, frankly, it's the toughest thing because hitting the ropes, you just have to commit to because they're. Frankly, they're cables with tape over them. But the the first thing that they'll have you do, and it's fucking terrifying, is they'll put you right in the middle of the ring and they'll say, okay, just fall down, land on your back. I'm like, what? Because you, then, you, then you have to – Like I said, learning how to get hit. It. Learning that's how it. to get hit in football, you have to learn how to fall. The, that's and exactly wrestling. right. The first time that you do it, inevitably, because now when I go, my chin's way down here, and I use my arms. But the first time that you do right. it, right? You don't want to slam the back of your head. The very first time that you do it, like without a shadow of a doubt, your head's whack is going to go against the back of the mat, and you're going to get up and pretend that you're fine, but you're not because you're seeing you're, you're seeing like what you saw, where the fucking ring is up here, and the top of the arena is down here. So that's what you're going to go through. So right now I still have a well over a month until we're actually doing wrestling on the show. So I'm just going through the building process right now. I I put on muscle really fast that that's my like natural position. So although, you know, it's, but it's also fun right now at the gym because a lot of, uh, a lot of guys in the league are who, who live in California. It's combine season too. Yeah. But it's just like, and it's combine yeah. season. Yep. So we, I haven't seen those guys yet, but a lot of guys that if they're not offensive or defensive linemen in the NFL, I don't know what the fuck they do for a living are sh- starting to show up at the gym. <laughs> like just these massive, massive, massive guys. Like I met a guy yesterday who, um, who just finished up his year for the Jets and he, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting watching these guys after, after the season. He was get, just getting work done on his legs and, just I I can imagine like they're just, just battered. battered. Yeah, I will say this: one workout. I, I don't know what your trainer's doing, but one thing are like isometric holds on the pull Uh-oh. up. Okay. No, literally, like pull up and like like eccentric going yeah. down, like that really like tightens your scat back, so that when you do hit, you know it it helps you brace. Yeah, better. we're doing we're doing scat push uh, so pull ups right now, so it's, it's where you. You get there, and we use a we use a rope to help us a little bit because you you get there, then you set yourself into that position, you pull up yep. a little bit, let it go, and then go all the way up. That's hard. It's, it's hard. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's a sense. Yeah. It's a sign of isometric. Exactly. Yeah. 
That's so cool, man. I saw a guy yesterday with a heart foundation jacket. I almost ripped yeah. it off his back and ran away like shoot like Shooter McGavin and uh Happy Gilmore. With, gold jacket, <laughs> with his gold jacket. I almost stole his jacket. Yeah. So I so anyway, so I'm training this week. I've got the kiddo this week, and then I've only got maybe one more week in, in LA full time before I'm probably gonna have to head to Georgia. So uh and also I'm I'm just trying to lay low because I have all this training to do uh, and I have to do it. But I'm also a giant Rams fan, and I'm going to the game on Sunday. And I don't really care about any other part of the Super Bowl than the actual game. You know, there are a lot of people who will descend. Then, if if you're a Rams fan, that doesn't matter. And it's a Sunday. Like, what are you going to do on Sunday? I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to the game. If you want to do something, I got some tomorrow night. I'll text. Okay, you. that sounds good. Why are you? We were talking. Well, yeah, the, the, it's only a two. The it's only two. It's only two hours. The, what is it? Petite Armitage thing. What's it called? Yeah, I'll come to that. Armitage. I'll come to that. That's right. That, that's right. By it's a two. It's literally it's a it's a two hour event. It's a two hour event and in and out. Sounds good to me. Okay, so before we uh, before we let you go, tell me Frank Grillo's going. I know Frank. I got invited to dinner with he and Jay tonight. Frank's, Frank's a good guy. Yeah, Frank's. Yeah, Frank's coming by tomorrow okay. night. Okay. Well then, I'll, 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 we'll, we'll chat offline. I'll go. Hey, before we see if, see, if, see if he's going, and if he's going, no, yeah, I don't go. do he's that. That's what, up. that's what, that's what my buddy Josh Shotland used to do back in the day. Zacho, who's on here, knows. <laughs> We'd have people over for football Sunday, and he lived right across the fucking street from me, and he would text me an hour and a half, two hours into you know your seven hour football Sunday, where we're you know back in the back at this time we're watching you on the Giants. And he would go, hey, who all who all's there before I make my decision as to whether or not I want to go there, <laughs> Nah, bring your ass here, okay. motherfucker. Stop doing I'll that. I'll do that. Um, and just before we go, I'll get a game prediction from you. But before that, the Wine MVP, tell me a little bit about that, which is you're the founder of. Yeah, so the Wine MVP started um, because I originally wanted to make my own wine. And I spoke to a lot of people in the industry mm-hmm. that I knew. I have like a group of wine dads that I reach out to. And they're like, you can have the best grapes, the best winemaker, the best anything, the best label. At the end of the day, can you sell that that's wine? It. That's the only that's thing that matters, it. really. And I'm like, man, that's that's so unique. So I started doing research and hanging out at wine shops, being that creep in the back, looking at all the prices and what have you. And it just dawned on me. I'm like, man, I have such a unique network um, that I can be of service mm-hmm. to them. You know, like, like when I played, I... You know, I had a shoe guy, I had a suit guy, I had a car guy, you know, I had I had that. So I was like, I can just be the, the wine guy for people, you know, and uh, pretty much give everyone access to my network, mm-hmm. you know, like the basketball guys are doing it up pretty good. And, you know, I just saw a bunch of hockey guys. I, I know Luke Jackson, you know, pitcher, uh, baseball player, excuse me. And I, um, yeah, I was like, I'll just, I'll be that guy for, obviously I'm seeing NFL guys, but for anybody. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a full-on concierge. So we do uh, events. I do uh, private buying. I do seller management. Um, I'm sending AJ Dillon. He's going on a trip to wine country pretty soon. Um, you know, creating that for him. And then I'm launching my new wine club in a few weeks. I'm go- I got to go into legal right now. Look at some stuff. Make sure all oh, is that's, good. That's I can speak. The fun begins. So, yeah, that's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> It's no fun at all. So that's what it is, man. The YAVP is just it's a it's a fun, uh, luxury, uh, educational, fun uh, wine club, man. That's and when you do something like the dinner that you're doing Saturday evening in Los Angeles, five courses and cigars, et cetera, et cetera, can you? 
enjoy yourself and partake or are you uh, overseeing everything? Yeah. So I, I have a, I have a really good team uh, that helps me with Fine. this stuff where it's almost like, you know, when we bought our home uh, by 16, I was like, home got to be turnkey. <laughs> <laughs> got to be turnkey. Like I can't, I'm not ready for a fixer upper. I'm not trying to build yeah, a home no yet. Way. I just, I'm ready to, we move so much from playing. I just need turnkey. And so what happens is, uh, myself and my team, we make sure that everything is turnkey. Uh, I just had a meeting with her today, and so yeah, I just show up and I, I get I get to perform. Uh, all the logistics are handled. If there's something in particular I want done, then cool. But for the most part, and plus we also work with we the people who hire us to do things. We they're they're solid people, man. So, That's great. Yeah, it's it, they make it easy. We we fun to go. Okay, through. before we get you out of here, man, I I need a um I need a, a prediction for the game on Sunday. Keeping in mind that you're talking to um, the two people that are that are left that you can see in video cameras on this call, myself and Zacho are are uh, Rams and Bengals fans, respectively. Are you really yeah. though? Are you really? I, listen, I, I I've I've loved the NFL my entire life. I never lived in a city with a team ever until the Rams came back. And my wife said, "We're getting season seats. We're fans." I said, "That's not how it works. We can get season seats. Wait until they come until back. Until they came back from St. Louis, right?" So, who would you like before that? Just the NFL. Just the NFL. That's how I was. That's how I was. I never had a team. And but I so you know, I didn't I didn't set out to to become a giant Rams fan, but you go to all the games and listen, I, I wouldn't be a fan if Jeff Fisher was still the coach, but the past five years <laughs> the, the past, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jeff. But the past five years with McVeigh, you know, the first year they they win. Uh, they they win the NFC West. They go eleven and five. They disappointingly lost to the Falcons. But then the next year they go to the Super Bowl. Next year they're they're the first team not in. They're they're seventh in the NFC. But you know last year kind of uh, year. But they go to the second round and then they go to the they're in the Super Bowl again. You know at home and I love going and seeing them on the road. And you know s- s- simple. You just you become a fan of the team if you watch them in person all the time and they're they're winning. So yes, Rams fan. Yeah, I I think I think the Rams win comfortably in this one. Uh-oh. I think it's going to be like uh, like some something like twenty eight seventeen something like that. I think they win comfortably. I think, and I say this simply because I'm terrified of betting against Joe Burrow mm. uh, because Joe has Joe has Brady energy. Mm. That's why he scares me. Um, he has he has that innate ability to lift everyone else's. Where uh, ratings, you know, almost like you adjusted everyone's ratings in Madden. He has that ability. Like when he shows them the field, everyone just instantly gets better around him. They have the skill players to get mm-hmm. it done, running back to get it done, the defense. They don't care who you are, and yeah, everyone talks about the offensive line, but yeah, they got killed versus Tennessee. But they know that. Mm-hmm. They know that, and so the best teams, they. They adjust accordingly. The best players adjust accordingly. You know, people people always ask me, why do some players get paid and then they fall off? It's, I was like, because they don't self-study. While everyone's studying them, they never study themselves. And so, therefore, they get caught up. And guys find all the weaknesses that they don't know about themselves. And right now, you know, and then the Bengals, and the Bengals go into next week with Kansas City. And Joe was okay, clean. Yeah, well, this is this so, is all fantastic. Why did you just pick the Rams to win and then make the fucking case for the Bengals for three minutes? 
No, I said because everyone is talking about that oh, case. Oh, okay. Everyone's okay. talking about right. these cases. Right. Which are, these are all clear reasons why the Bengals could win or why it could be really mm-hmm. close. And I just feel like this is this is the time where the the stars the stars come out. This is where the star. I think everyone the Rams are going to show up like monsters, man, and, and I think they're just going to get it wow. done. Um, every, everyone, everyone is as much as like the the Bengals are excited to be there, and and they're like, yeah, like here we are, ready to go. I think there's a lot of people on the on the um, the Rams that it's like I've been like dying to get here. I already I already have money. I already have money. I want to ring. Well, hey, listen. If if, if you like the if you like the Rams and you sorry, Zacho. Well, if you like the Rams <laughs> and you like their defense, then don't be afraid to throw down a. Uh, don't be afraid to throw down a uh, a Rams money line. Uh, Aaron Donald MVP. Uh, no, you got to take the points. Okay, well, fine, take the points. Whatever. <laughs> all right, I get it out of here because now the sun's directly <laughs> in my face. But will we appreciate it? We'll put all of your information uh, into the episode. Thanks for. Thanks for coming on and and uh, regaling us with stories about how to be a better football player and better at uh, tasting wine and all those good things, my friend. We appreciate <laughs> you, and we're happy that you're part of the Knocking Point team. No, I'm I'm super excited. It was um again just just being around good people, and um, that's it. That's how I roll, man. I'm, I always go into every situation. How can I help you? How can I help us? How can we? Just keep winning, having fun together, man. There's a, there's enough for everybody. That's what people need to learn. There's enough there for is. everyone. Okay, great spot to end. Will, thank you very much, my friend. Thank All you, right. bro. Okay, so that was episode two of Dudes Being Dudes, the podcast. Thank you to Will Blackman. Uh, those were some very interesting stories. Thank you to Taryn and to Zacho, who are on the controls. Our friends at Studio 71 and our buddy Wellsy for this cool intro and outro music as you can tell we're still working out some of the kinks but uh, thanks for listening subscribe tell your friends and um we'll catch you next week adios adios